Hey everybody, Stuff You Should Know is going on tour. Do, 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 do. What are the deets, my friend? Okay, so starting August 8th in Toronto, that's in Canada, we're going to be at Danforth Music Hall, and then Chicago, we're going to be there the next night, August 9th at the Harris Theater. Yeah, Chicago. We want to see your faces. Step it up. Step it up. Vancouver, the Vogue Theater, September 26th. That's going to be a great show, I think, don't you? It's going to be a great one. And then Minneapolis at the Pantages Theater, where we've been before. It's lovely. September 27th. Yeah, and then we're going to swing down to Austin. It's going to be during Austin City Limits, although it has nothing to do with Austin City Limits. We'll be there October 10th. Yes, and then we're going to lovely Lawrence, Kansas. Go Jayhawks. Yeah. On October 11th. And hey, if you're in Kansas City or anywhere in that area, this get, is your chance. Get in your car. Yeah. Uh, if uh, you are anywhere near Brooklyn, well, then you should go to the Bell House October 22nd, 23rd, and 24th. We'll be there all three nights. And finally, we're going to wrap it up here in Atlanta at the Buckhead Theater on November 4th for a benefit show where we are donating all of the monies to Lifeline Animal Project of Atlanta and the National Down Syndrome Society. Yep. So for all this information, again, visually and for links to tickets, just go to SYSKlive.com. Welcome to Stuff You Should Know from HowStuffWorks.com. Hey, and welcome to the podcast. I'm Josh Clark. There's Charles W. Chuck Bright. There's Jerry. This is Stuff You Should Know. Summer Sunburn Edition. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. You're tan. Well, I did think it was kind of funny. I probably have more sun on my face than I've had in years. Yes, very, um, very easily, I would say. And I've been in the sun a lot more lately, but I have been applying sunscreen. But as you will see very shortly, mm-hmm. I haven't been the best at reapplying it. No, that's what I'm guilty of, too. And so I end up getting mm-hmm. a tan, and then, of course, like a dummy, I'm like, hey, tans look pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> I look foxy. People look good with a little bit of a tan, which is just how you fall into that trap of doing what's ultimately very bad for your skin. Sure. Next up, ascots, going down the George Hamilton route. But the rest of my body, well, my it's lower tan-ish. my lower arms are tan and my face is tan. Do you have like milk bottle calves? Yeah. Tell me you do. Everything else is white. <laughs> Take off your pants. <laughs> well, they're already off. Oh, okay. <laughs> as always, as per I mean, tradition. Kind of, well, your pants really are off. Um, Jerry, yeah. did you know Chuck's pants are off? She's known for nine years. Huh. Remember the 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 T-shirt that mm-hmm. listener made is pants off, mics on. Yep, or mics on, pants off. I can't remember the order that we do it. A wax on, wax off. I think <laughs> uh, this one's long overdue, though. I think and file it under mm-hmm. our general public service casts. Yeah, there's a lot of info that's floating around that is wrong. Yeah, starting with the idea that tans are healthy or even protective. Yeah, like well, we'll go through all these and bust some myths, but. Tanning bed company saying like, ooh, you need that vitamin D. Yeah, I know. Or, hey, that base tan, that'll help you not burn. Right. We'll go through all this. We're going to. But let's start. Let's start where everything starts, Chuck. Let's start with the sun. Duh. Right? <laughs> Sorry. So the sun is streaming down. You're familiar with the sun. Our star, our closest star. Sure. Provides light, heat, that kind of stuff. Photons. It's also bearing down on us. Yeah. With deadly radiation. Trying to kill us. All the time. Yep. Right? And there's three types, well, there's three kinds of um, energy that the sun shoots at us. There's infrared heat, there's visible light, mm-hmm. 
light. And then there's ultraviolet light. The scary one. Ultraviolet radiation, right? And then you can break down ultraviolet radiation into three more components. UVA. Boo. UVB. Boo. And UVC. Eh. Actually, if we didn't have our atmosphere, we'd all be dead right now just because of UVC. It's yeah. extremely deadly. But we do, so that's all right. Eh. Right. If you're an astronaut, you got to worry about UVC. Right. But those of us here on Earth, we don't, we only have to worry about UVA and UVB. And for, Decades, ever since we started thinking about protecting ourselves from the sun, we've basically been focused on UVB. Yeah, UVB is what will sunburn you. Right, which is why everybody wants to protect themselves from it. But yes. it turns out, as we'll see, UVA is not, it's even worse than UVB. It is no slouch. No, it really isn't. But those are the three kinds. And when sunlight comes here on Earth, and even when it doesn't, if it's reflected on a cloudy day or through fog or something yeah, like that. Yeah, don't be fooled. No, because UVA is still getting through. And as you'll see, you need to protect yourself. As a matter of fact, as we will see, some people recommend that you use sunscreen every day. all over your body every day, indoors and out. Well, if you do that, you will probably never get skin cancer. That's right. Unless it's genetic. Yeah, but you're definitely helping yourself out. Right. Uh, so you were talking about that sunlight beaming down and uh, fog and cloud cover and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, you probably, if you've ever been snow skiing, gotten sunburned because on a sunny day, that snow will reflect about 90% of UV light. Yeah. So you get the sun coming down on you. Yeah. And then it, you're also getting a second dose of it reflected from the snow. At a 90% rate. Right. Uh, if you're at the beach and you wonder why you might burn a little more at the beach, uh, it's because that sand does the same thing to a rate of about 20%. Yep. Uh, where you will not get sunburned, they say, is in a greenhouse. Yeah, did you know that? Didn't know that. You're, you'll sweat to death. Sure, and you can still get um, tan, but you won't burn. Yeah, apparently glass is a substance that absorbs UV radiation. This is a big thing that I realized, Chuck, and I just kind of touched upon it. For my entire life, I thought that sunburn was like a tan gone too far or conversely that you got sunburned and then you got tanned as a result of sunburn and then you were fine oh yeah like the people that are like oh i always burn on day one and then it turned it turns into a tan right and then i keep that for the summer and i don't even need sunblock (laughs) after that right no actually a suntan and a sunburn are two different things yeah and they're the result of two different types of uv radiation yeah that People that say that stuff are completely talking out of their buttholes. Right. Don't listen to them. <laughs> listen to us instead. Yeah, because there's actual science behind it. Uh, the UVB is what causes sunburns. UVA rays are different. And they, they are what ultimately, I think it's a deeper penetration, they will ultimately cause uh, like wrinkly skin right, and uh, like internal collagen damage and stuff like that. Right. So UVA for aging. Mm-hmm. UVB for burning, right? Yes, and combined with both, you look like that lady and there's something about Mary <laughs> right. that made out with the dog. Yeah. So we are, it's not like we're just complete, um, we're just completely at the mercy of the sun, right? We have natural reactions to sunlight that are kind of protective measures, but really more than anything, we're finding nowadays that there are huge red flags that are meant to say, like, get out of the sun. You're being internally damaged on a molecular level right now. Yeah. Hence your sunburn. 
But it turns out a tan is the same thing, basically. It's a, it's a big red flag or a big brown flag that says, um, you're undergoing genetic damage currently. You may want to get out of the sun, not go lay by the pool some more. You got your tan, you're fine. Yeah. And when you're getting that tan, what that is, is a pigment called melanin and it is produced in reaction to that, uh, I guess UVB. <clears throat> UVA. UVA. Yeah. And I'm going to get this. UVA tan. B for burning. Right. <laughs> I should remember that. Yeah, but it's tough to, it's tough to separate the burn from the tan and think that they're two different things after yeah. thinking that they're, you know, related all your life, you know? Well, it's, it's why, uh, tanning beds use mainly UVA light. Right. Uh, because you don't want it, they don't want you to sunburn when you go to the tanning salon because then you'll be like, wait a minute, that's not how it's supposed to work. Right. And you don't get tan from UVB, so why even in- include it anyway if you don't have to? Well, yeah, and here's the deal, though. I guess I might as well <laughs> go ahead and let the cat out of the bag with the tanning beds. Um, one of the things, one of the bogus things that they will tell you is like, no, the, your body needs vitamin D. And so go to the tanning bed mm-hmm. because it's safer than being in the sun. 100% BS. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you get vitamin D from UVB. Not UVA. Right. And tanning beds use UVA to get you tan. Oh, is that right? So it's, that's completely bogus. Okay. Uh, to begin with. Um, one recent estimate, uh, suggested indoor tanning caused about 420,000 cases of skin, can- uh, skin cancer in the United States every year. Oh my God. That's about double the number of lung cancer linked to smoking. Wow. Uh, and 12 states at this point have outlawed tanning beds for, uh, Minors under 18 years old. Yeah, that seems smart. I got one more stat for you. Okay. Uh, people who use tanning beds for the first time before the age of 30, uh, presuming they will, you know, it's not a one-off, mm-hmm. uh, have a 75% increased risk in developing melanoma. Wow. The other, uh, Don't go to tanning beds, people. No, that's great advice, Chuck, man. I mean, and a lot of people also think like melanoma, nothing, you just cut it out, it's fine. Actually, melanoma can spread, can metastasize really quickly and it is a very dangerous form of cancer, so don't take that lightly at all. Yeah. Plus, if you're going to a tanning bed, you're probably doing it for your looks. Have a little foresight, because what you're doing is subjecting your body to advanced hyperaging. You're going to age prematurely from going yeah. to a tanning bed. And that whole, like, you know, people will say, I don't care. I'm young. I want to look tan and well, look good. Yeah. Um, yeah. That's why we have nanny states to choose for you because you're too stupid to choose for yourself. Uh, was that judgy? No, we're trying to help people. I mean, this is, a, it's a danger. So said the guy with a freshly tanned face. Let's, let's go back to the skin and what the skin's doing. Okay. All right. Should we take a break first or are we? Oh, we're a premature? little worked up. We can. All right. Let's take a little break. Okay. We'll get into the skin. <laughs> So, Chuck, we're, we're back on the skin. You said that when UVA interacts with our skin, uh, melanocytes are stimulated to produce melanin. Correct. Yeah, totally bailed on that. And melanin is a pigment, and one of the roles that it plays is to absorb. It actually absorbs radiation, UVA radiation. Mm-hmm. And under normal circumstances, I think um, 
900, like literally 999 times out of a thousand, it, when it interacts with a photon of UVA radiation, it takes that photon mm-hmm. and it basically absorbs it into its molecular structure. Yeah. And it spits it out as waste heat. So it takes the radiation and turns it into something that's just, it's just heat. It, it, it's not deadly. It's not dangerous any longer. Yeah, and th- this isn't something that happens overnight. It takes a little while to produce this melanin, which is why you don't go out and get tan in a day. Right. Um, there's a long-standing myth that people who have melanin production constantly, people with darker skin tones, um, that they can't burn and that they can't get skin cancer, and that's wrong on both accounts. Correct. It is um, more difficult for somebody with um, very dark skin tone to Get sunburned. Yeah. But I was reading. And skin cancer. Right. Yeah, there's a lower prevalence. But I was reading, um, I was reading up on it and I saw some dermatologist said, if you have skin, you can get sunburned. Yeah. Just give it enough time under the right conditions, you'll get sunburned. Sure. And then yes, skin cancer is a thing as well. Um, people of, uh, the fairer your complexion, the worse you're going to burn. Mm hmm. And the um, higher your incidence of getting skin cancer from being out in the sun is, sure. but it can happen. It's just a spectrum, but on on the other end, the darkest end of the spectrum, that doesn't mean it doesn't happen. It just means it happens less. So right. all of this applies to people of all different skin tones. Yeah, and like we said before, when it comes to UVA, uh, that's a deeper uh, penetrating uh, light into the skin. It's going to destroy collagen it's a structural protein and that collagen goes away and that's when your skin becomes less elastic yeah less smooth right and that is what you think of when you think of wrinkles yeah they found this university of michigan study found that when the participants were exposed to uva light um something called matrix metalloproteinase one was um produced and that that goes and destroys collagen. Yeah. It's like it's one of the body's natural processes breaking down these cell walls that give skin structure and that leads to wrinkles and saggy skin eventually. And they found that even when you started to tan, the um the MMP1 production didn't decrease at all. It just kept going. So this idea that when you develop a tan, when your melanin production kicks in, that um you're being protected that's actually not the case at all. We're finding that it's actually just it's a it's a defense mechanism, but it's not a protective measure that keeps everything fine once your tans set. Yeah, I looked up just a quadruple check about the base tan theory, um, and it, it's complete BS. Uh, they found that a base tan provides, and we'll talk about SPF, sun uh, protection factor. Right. Right. Yeah. yeah. I don't know why I got hesitant at the last second there. Uh, a base tan provides an SPF of three or less, which means it buys you about 10 extra minutes in the sun. Right. And so little that uh, the chief of uh, dermatologic surgery at Yale said it's essentially completely meaningless in terms of providing protection. So, uh, and they, in fact, they say it can have the reverse effect uh, because people – are under this assumption that a base tan helps. Yeah. So they won't do the things you need to do, like wear the hats or the UV shirts or the suntan or sunscreen. 
or stay out longer. Right. And so it ends up being even worse for you because you think you have this protective layer of brown. Yeah, that's one thing that um I that kept coming up in the research is that we have a lot of stuff to protect ourselves and it can be made better and people are at work right now trying to improve the things that protect us from the sun. But that most people aren't using them right. Right. Or don't understand the the reality of the situation, yeah. which is sun's going to mess you up pretty good. All right, well that's coming up in a sec. Um we've talked about suntan. Right. So now let's talk about sunburn. Uh, sunburn, kind of simply put, is se- literally cellular damage from ultraviolet radiation. Uh, it's called um, erythema or erythema. It's a reddening of the skin. And it is this delayed reddening of the skin caused by an increase of blood flow uh, to that area. Yeah, and the reason why you have increased blood flow to that area is because you've so damaged your skin on a molecular level, yeah, that your immune response has been set off, yeah, and blood is rushing to the area to bring in uh, white blood cells and other helper immune cells to try to repair the damage you just did from letting yourself get a sunburn from UVB rays, right? And if you've ever had like a red, like to check and see if your sunburn, you look at your red skin, you touch it, and it turns white, then goes back red real quick. Mm-hmm. It turns white because you momentarily disrupt those capillaries right and then they immediately go no we need to send blood there and then the red just comes rushing back right and there's no worse feeling than a bad sunburn no it's pretty bad it ruins your beach trip sure if you get that thing on the first day everybody gets mad at you you're screwed (laughs) yeah it's just no good it's no good it's no good and it doesn't turn to tan i don't care who you are that is not science that's a myth it is a myth so, um, and people are like, no, you don't know my skin. It turns to dead. Right. No, that's, it doesn't. That's, that's wrong. Ugh, there so, is a lot of folklore surrounding suntan and sunburns and stuff. Huh? Well, I think because people think they just like, I know my body and my skin. It's like, no, there's science that supersedes all that. Right. Yeah. But I think the reason that there is so much myth and folklore around, um, suntans and sunburns is because science really kind of dropped the ball for a while. And didn't really investigate this. They're only now starting to investigate it on a like a a really legitimate level. Yeah, you know, it's a good point. So I mean, it's kind of science's fault. <laughs> uh, and like you said before, any skin can get burned. Any part of the body can get burned um, if it sees if the sunlight can touch it, even through clothing, which we'll talk about a bit later too. Mm-hmm. Um, you will get sunburned. Yeah, that's another thing, too. You might think, well, I'm wearing a shirt. Most shirts, unless it's specifically designed to protect against UV radiation, is letting UV through. Um, yeah. And you can get burned. You can get tanned. You can get wrinkled. You can cause cellular damage um, anytime UV radiation comes in contact with your skin. And from what I saw, the UVB radiation is the usually the likeliest culprit when you get skin cancer mm-hmm. because it goes in there and directly knocks around DNA. DNA, it turns out, actually is pretty good at absorbing energy and releasing or absorbing radiation and releasing it as heat energy, just like uh, melanin is as yeah. well. But <clears throat> every once in a while, it gets excited and it gets kind of knocked out of whack and some of its base pairs fuse together, what we call a mutation. Right. 
And if that base pair gets fused and isn't repaired, and it happens to be at a site that, say, expresses a protein that protects against tumors, well, then you can get skin cancer, and that's how it happens. Yeah. And even though that happens, that it, it, the base pairs fuse together and aren't repaired out of maybe one out of every thousand times, that's one out of every thousand interactions with a photon. Think of how many photons are barreling down at you yeah. over a given minute of exposure to sunlight. The odds are against you. Agreed. Uh, and, you know, since you mentioned the UV clothing or SPF clothing, uh, they are pretty great. Like, most people I know now wear those shirts. Mm-hmm. Um, well, they look cool. Well, I wear one of those now because mm-hmm. it serves three purposes. Looks kind of cool. Yeah. Um, I hate applying sunscreen, like, all over my body. Mm-hmm. I'll hit my face and arms and stuff, but, mm-hmm. like... Getting it, putting all over my chest and belly and back and all. It's just, I'm, you're going to miss spots. Sure. And have weird, uh, streaks of sunburn here and there where you missed it. Right. And it's just no good. Uh, and then third, you know, when you have some extra pounds, it's like slimming. Well, if you wear the t shirt in the pool, <laughs> everybody knows it's not a good look. Right. But you can get away with the, the SPF shirt. I think that is one reason why SPF shirts were adopted. Oh, sure. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but they really work great. Um, and they dry super quick. Like, uh, my skinny friends use them, you know. Right. But it's good for fat dudes too. Sure. Uh, but they are, uh, rated up to like 50 plus. Uh, the tighter the weave, the better. They say to hold a shirt up to the light. Like just a regular shirt will work. Like denim, they said is one of the best things because it's such a tight weave. <laughs> yeah. So nothing just- <laughs> like wearing a jean jacket at the beach. <laughs> Put on that denim tuxedo and you're all set. Um, but a UPF rating, they go from about 15 to 50. Uh, if you can hold it up to the light and not see anything, the darker the better. It's like mine is like gray and black. Mm-hmm. And um, some of them are even have uh, are even treated, I think. Yeah, that's what I thought. So some of them are just the weave is so tight that yeah. sunlight light can't penetrate. It just it's a physical barrier to UVB. What do they treat some of them with? I'm not exactly sure. That's the one thing that I'm kind of sketchy about because I don't love like I try to not use harmful chemicals as much as possible. Sure. So I don't know if those are like soaked in some like carcinogenic. Right. Probably not. Right. Yeah, probably <laughs> not. It's probably magic dust of some sort. But uh, this woman who is, uh, I think she's the director of uh, dermatology at Mount Sinai Medical Center in New York says that clothing is the single most effective form of sun protection, even more than sunscreen. Kind of for the reasons I mentioned, because it's you get complete coverage. I've got a long sleeve one too, so mm-hmm. um, it's just nice. I throw it on; I don't have to worry about all the, the sunscreen junk. Yeah. And then my legs, I usually don't get a ton of sun exposure to my legs. Like, I guess because you're usually vertical in a pool. Like I don't lay around on a float. Yeah. Uh, and it's underwater. Well, you you want to be careful. <clears throat> UV radiation can penetrate up to a foot underwater. Yeah, for sure. But, so, I mean, like, I don't wear any sunscreen on my legs, and, you know, I've got my pants off. Look at them. I've got... But they're pretty white. I have um, flip-flop tan lines on my the tops of my feet. I do, too. Yeah. I, I kind of forgot about yeah. the tops of feet. At, dude, I am religious about putting sunblock on the tops of my feet, and I still got tan lines. I saw a kid once, um, his feet 
turned into like Fred Flintstone's feet because oh, he got burned on the tops of them. Except for and the flip like, lines or just period? never happening to me. Uh, the whole foot. Well, they say the tops of feet, <clears throat> like the tops of your ears and earlobes. Um, Did you say the eyeballs can burn? The back of the neck. Those are some of the areas that are you're least likely or most likely to miss. Right. With sunscreen. Yep. But I did not mention eyeballs. Yes, your eyeballs can burn, can get sunburn. Yeah, I think I've experienced that. Oh man, that like must after have been being awful. in the sun all day, like my eyes just sort of burning and irritated. Mm-hmm. I wonder if that's what that is. No, this is. I think you would know. Yeah, like I think my eyes are going to die. Man, that must be awful. Yeah. All right, should we take another break? Yeah, and then we'll come back with sunscreen. <laughs> We were in the Wayback Machine. Mm-hmm. We travel back to ancient Egypt. You might see people slapping oat <laughs> bran on their skin or jasmine. Rice bran. What did I say? Oat bran. That was from the Food Fads episode. What a dummy. Yeah, rice bran spreading, uh, I guess, moist rice bran. Why not? Or jasmine. They're like, why not? It's 2500 BC. <laughs> Let's party. But apparently jasmine is is good at repairing damaged skin. I wonder if they tried jasmine rice. Oh, man. How about that? Yeah. I would have been, like, onto something back then. Yeah, you would. Uh, so they did this back then, but actual sunscreen didn't come around until the turn of the century, until the ni- early 1900s. Yeah. Thousands of years after the Egyptian dynasties were over. Yep. Um, there was a guy named Milton Blake. He was Australian. And he uh, came up with what is considered the first sunblock in his kitchen, apparently, over like the course of 12 years. And they still make it in Australia. Can you really call it sunblock back then, though? It's probably more like sun. They call it a a good first try. (laughs) Yeah. He took him about 12 years of experimentation. But like you said, he finally uh, began selling it. And is it what's is the brand called Milton Blake today? That was the one thing that I didn't look up. All right. Well, while you do that, I'll go to the 1940s. Uh, to Switzerland, there was a Swiss man named Franz Garita who was a climber. And we mentioned snow um, burns. Snow sun burns were pretty bad. And so he was, I think he had ascended Mount Pitts on the Swiss-Austrian border and is, got really burned. Is that Pitts Palau from Inglorious Bastards? Is that the same mountain? Oh, I don't know. I, don't, I forgot about that part. Yeah. Uh, but he got really burned and was like, this is awful. So he came back and started work. Uh, and in 1946 came up with the Pittsburgh Glacier Cream. Uh, and this had an SPF of two, which, um, like you said, good start. I don't even know if that qualifies as a good start. Well, it was probably more than Milton Blake's, don't you think? Or Well, supposedly, or, uh, or was Caucasian Blake- people have a... Um, have a natural SPF of about three. So this guy somehow managed to bring it down a notch. <laughs> um, and then in Miami, Florida, there was a man named Benjamin Green. He was an airman and pharmacist, and he was flying in World War II and got a lot of sun up there. And so he uh, 
developed something called, he labeled Red Vet Pet, uh, Red Veterinary uh, Petrolatum, which I think is the same thing as petroleum. Right. And I was surprised when I saw that he was an airman and vet, I figured it meant like a veteran of a war. Yeah, no. Veterinary. Who knew? Uh, and then he would later add a little cocoa butter, a little coconut oil, and voila, you have copper tone. Yeah. And then in 1956, they revealed the little copper tone girl illustration. Yeah. And it became a household hit. I think actually helped sunblock in general become a thing by the 1960s. Yeah. Uh, that little girl's name is <laughs> Sherry Irwin. And she was the daughter of the woman who designed it. Yeah, the illustrator, right? Yeah, Joyce uh, Ballantyne in 1959 used her own daughter as a model. And uh, Joyce Ballantyne on her own was very um, just sort of an anomaly at the time. <clears throat> she got a lot of uh, work as a graphic artist uh, in the 1950s. And her daughter called her a maverick in that way. Mm -hmm. And that she was, you know, in the 1950s, it was kind of tough for a lady to get that kind of high dollar work. Sure. And so uh, hats off to you. Joyce Ballantyne. Yep. And Cherry's still around. I can see that. Joyce might be too. I saw a recent thing. Really? This is 1956. Yeah. She may be gone, but the article oh, yeah, I no, read wait. wasn't that. She could totally be around. I mean, uh, I forgot what year it was. I didn't catch the date on the article I read about her. I gotcha. But it's worth looking up. She's interesting. Um, so yeah, Coppertone took off. Uh, in the 1960s is when sunscreens, um, Kind of caught hold a little bit, but it wasn't until the late 70s until the FDA got involved and said maybe we should, like, have some guidelines here. Yeah, which they did, and a lot of them didn't take. <laughs> some of them did, but one of the things that the FDA did when they got involved with um, sunscreen, especially in the U.S., they're roundly criticized for basically being really slow at testing the chemicals that yeah. are used. On the one hand... Hats off for caring. Sure. Um, that the chemicals we put on our bodies aren't going to kill us. But at the same time, hurry up. Right. So apparently there's just a handful of chemicals that are in use as active ingredients in sunscreen in the United States, whereas Europe has something like 28. Right. I believe. And I guess Europe and Japan, their sunscreen is way better than the stuff that we use here in the States. Yeah, and it's not because they're just willy-nilly about what they'll allow. They've actually researched and okayed right. more chemicals. Yeah, typically the EU is pretty serious about when they clear chemicals. Yeah. It's pretty safe. So how does sunscreen work? So, Chuck, here's how sunscreen works. For years and years and years and years and years, up until the 21st century, it was – it protected you from UVB only. Yes. And even still, there's plenty of sunscreens out there that only protect you from UVB. Oh, yeah. So if you want protection from UVB and UVA, which is what you want, mm -hmm. you want to find one that's called broad-spectrum sunscreen. Yeah, and it will say that they will champion that very clearly on the label. Yeah, and if it's not on the label, it doesn't do anything to protect you from UVB. No. And so from the UVA. whole – the whole, yeah, UVA. Yeah. Only UVB. So you'll get a tan, but you won't burn if you use it correctly. Yes, you will just age. Right. Rapidly. So with, um, with sunscreen, you will see also on the label, it will say SPF, sun protection factor of 15 or 30 or 50 or 100. Apparently it goes up to 110 now. 
Really? Yeah, and there's a lot of controversy with that too, which we'll talk about. But with sunproof factor, this is how they determine it. Are you ready? Yeah. They take the um they take the sun the sunscreen and they put a little square on somebody's bottom and then they expose it to UV radiation. And they use the bottom because that is the part of the body least likely to have gotten sun. Sure. It's like a blank slate. Right, yeah. Without being a sexual organ. Well put. Yeah. Because you don't want to test sun. No. No. <laughs> uh, and then they'll they'll go to the other buttock and they will say expose that to UV radiation, but it won't be treated with sunscreen. Yeah. And they'll do this up again and again and again, basically until you burn. Uh, yeah. And then they will say, okay, well, um, what was the the minimum dose for the untreated buttock? And we're going to take that and divide, use that to divide the minimum dose of UV radiation for the treated buttock. And then that number is going to be SPF. And we're going to round down to the nearest five. Yeah. And that's what some protection factor is. It's ultimately another way of saying what percentage of the radiation from the sun this stuff blocks. Right. So if you get sunburned after 10 minutes in the sun with nothing, if you put on SPF 15, you can be in the sun for about 150 minutes without burning. Yeah, because there's another way to you, there's a formula for taking SPF to figure out how it applies to you, and it is you take the um <laughs> the number of minutes it takes you to burn, which who knows that? Do you know how long it takes you to burn? Nope. This this is the dumbest formula ever. It, how many minutes it takes you to burn times the number on the SPF. And then that's how many minutes you can hang out outside without burning. That's that's what SPF means to you personally. Yeah, and here are the caveats. And um, there's a lot of them. One of them is when they do these studies, they apply way more than your average person does when they go to the wherever in the sun. Yeah, they're applying the amount you're supposed to apply. Right. Uh, I, I would say just cut everything in half. To be safe. That's probably a pretty good rule. Like of thumb. if you're like, man, eh, I'm good with a 15, <clears throat> use a 30. Maybe even by three quarters, because I saw a lot of people use between a quarter to a half of what you're supposed to use. Right. And one reason they do, uh, well, the, the beginning application is already shortchanged. Mm-hmm. And then you need to reapply this stuff because even though they say sweat proof and waterproof, mm-hmm. um, we all know that that isn't true like throughout the day. Supposedly, if you in the United States market something as water resistant or very water resistant, it has to last either 40 or 80 minutes respectively in the water. Yeah. Right. But even still, they say when you get out, just immediately reapply sunscreen like you're starting from scratch again. You should. Yeah. And I don't do that either. No. Like you said, you don't. No. It's a, it's my great failing in life. <laughs> it's one of mine for sure. Uh, well, and we'll, we'll get back to application here in a minute, but I don't think we ever said for sure how this stuff works. Oh, um, yeah. They work in a couple of different ways, one of two ways. Uh, they, they form a barrier by either absorbing or reflecting. So it's either a chemical filter or literally physically blocking these UV rays. Yeah, and forever, and still apparently today, zinc oxide is the the main mineral that's used as a physical blocker. Blocker. It reflects the sun. It doesn't. It just bounces right off of it. Yeah, like it, if you put zinc oxide on your face, you are golden. Um, it is a gross, greasy, white mess. Mm-hmm. 
that's seemingly impossible to absorb. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you don't care what you look like, or ironically, if you do care what you look like, right. uh, in the long term, but don't care in the short term, that's what you should be using yeah. like on your face for sure. You like having a nose? Yes. You should put zinc oxide on it. You should. So that's, that's a physical barrier. What the chemical filters do, um, they act like a synthetic melanin. Yeah. Where they take the UV radiation, absorb it, and then turn it into waste heat energy. They don't allow it to penetrate the skin. That's amazing. That's what sunscreen is. It's a, it's a, it's, you're covering your body. You're putting it in between the sun and your body so that the sun's radiation can't penetrate through it to your skin beneath it. It's amazing that they came up with that. Yeah. It's pretty cool. Especially considering the Egyptians had an idea of what was going on here. Oh, bran. Yeah. <laughs> Rice bran. Uh, so we mentioned, you know, that you, I think you said they go up to what now? 110? That's the highest I saw. So the controversy there is, is basically it doesn't, it's not an exponential growth. Anything over 30, they just consider 30 plus. Because if you wear <laughs> something that's a 110, it's not like, well, then that's, you know, Four times almost as much as a thirty. It, right. d- it doesn't work that way. No, and supposedly if you if you burn in ten minutes, right, and you are say using a seventy, you should be able to sit out in the sun for seven hundred minutes. Yeah, no, without without getting a burn. Yeah, technically, if everything was a hundred percent right, that that may be true. But that it never works out that way in practice. So just throw out that idea altogether. Yeah. Right. Um, and like you said, the FDA wanted it to just be 30 plus because at 30, an SPF of 30 blocks 96.7% of the sun's harmful rays. Right. Yeah. Um, 50 though only blocks 98% and 100 blocks 99%. And yeah, blocking 99% is better. Than blocking ninety six point seven percent, right? But if you are sitting there just going by the SPF number and you're using a thirty, and then you think, well, if I use a hundred, I can just put it on once and stay out all day. Um, that's where the problem lies. It gives a false sense of security where you shouldn't have security. And so the the FDA was saying everybody just use thirty, right, and use it correctly and reapply it a lot. I think what we use in our family is generally the seventy. And then we also have the straight up zinc oxide. Oh, you do, huh? Oh, yeah, yeah. And I don't, I don't care what I look like anymore. Sure, yeah. clearly, I have my pants off. I've got, um, <laughs> I've got one of those like big wide brim, like floppy fishing hats yeah. and like camo uh-huh. with like the the neck thing and everything. I'll, yeah, yeah. I'll rock that. I like don't the care. old uh, jungle hat, the, like the Vietnam right. yep. jungle hat. Yeah. I Emily wears a big straw hat because she just had a little skin cancer removed from her temple. Um, oh no, is she all right? Yeah, she's good. They good. got it and, you know, she's going to keep going back, but everything looks like, and in most cases, it is a little minor thing, you know? Right. Um, but she's like hardcore now and she always, good for she's her. been hardcore about sunscreen for a while, but now it's that and a hat. Yeah. Uh, and I wear my, uh, my trusty pith helmet. <laughs> you have a pith helmet? Yeah. A pith helmet. Mm-hmm. A pith helmet. I do. That's awesome. I wore it. Became I got it before I think my uh, first or not my first only one I've been to Newport Folk Festival. Mm-hmm. Um, because it, they're great. <laughs> they're comfortable. They breathe. Right. Uh, 
they block out the sun. Uh huh. I think they're super cool. Yeah. Because, you know, I'm the only guy around with a pith helmet on. Sure. So I'm easy to spot in a crowd. Pith helmet and a UV shirt. And no pants. And, right. <laughs> with milk bottle white calves. No. Well, yeah. That's about right. Yeah. That's, if you see me at the pool, that's me. It's awesome. Ray-Bans, pith helmet. Yeah. UV shirt. Well, that's another one too. Like, even if you don't like wearing sunglasses, TS, you need to be wearing sunglasses and ones that polarize. I feel like I'm going to die if I don't wear sunglasses outside. Yeah, me too. I hate bright light. Like, it hurts. And I wear them a lot inside. Like, I know it's obnoxious, but in, uh, like bright spaces and airports and grocery stores. Well, a lot of times I'll wear my sunglasses. It's a statement. I just, I don't know, man. I don't like bright light. Yeah. I hate it. So, um, do you lay out in the sunlight? No. Oh, okay. I don't either. No, no, no. Like it's always in the shade for me. No, like I'll, like, I don't lay out or at all. But I mean, if you're like hanging out by a pool or something. I'm almost always in the water. Okay. I'm always under the, I'll jump in the water to cool off, but then I'm underneath like an umbrella the rest of the time. What do you do? Like read a book, listen to music? Mm, Sure. Yeah. I'm almost always in the water because it's so God awful hot for me and my sweatiness. Mm -hmm. Um, the pool is just my best friend. Yeah. It's nice. And I'm generally like neck deep, (laughs) not much exposed. So yeah, about a foot down, right about to your nipples. Yeah. You're safe. Yeah. Nipples up. Got to be careful, Chuck. Or uh, I'll get one of those uh, noodles, foam noodles, mm-hmm. and I just saddle it up and right. straddle it. Yep. And a good, a thick noodle keeps me at about mid-chest level. Nice. And I can live with that. And I'll just bob up and down for hours. Have you seen they have like these kind of nettings that you can run a noodle through? So yeah, it's I like got a one seat. Do you like it? I, the reason I don't like mine is because it doesn't fit the big noodle. Mm-hmm. It fits the thinner noodle. And so right, I, I found I had to do a little work to keep my chin up. Yeah, you don't want to work. Well, a little pool. bit of kicking is okay every now and then, but I had to kind of constantly kick to keep my neck up. Yeah. And I like to just be either chest high or neck high in water. <laughs> That's my recipe. Um, I don't think we mentioned how much you're supposed to use. No, and we should. You're supposed to use for an average adult body, whatever the heck that means. Um, about a shot glass size, about an ounce of sunscreen on your body and about a nickel size amount for your face and neck. Right. So you put that on 15 to 30 minutes before you go outside to let it absorb and do its work. Yeah. A lot of people don't do that. Um, once you start to sweat, once you get in the pool, which is when I start thinking about going outside, right? <laughs> you want to reapply. Uh huh. You want to keep up with reapplying and, um, you want to wear a hat. Broad spectrum. And you want broad spectrum. Don't mess around. Get broad spectrum, high SPF. Get as high an SPF as you want. It will block more percentage of the rays. It will just, um, you just don't put your full faith in it. Yeah. Don't do the formula. Just throw the formula out. Go high SPF, broad spectrum, reapply, and, and don't forget some areas of your feet like your ears and stuff. Uh, and they also said, and this is good advice, their number one thing. Where'd you get this, actually? Do you remember? All over. Which which part? The the one through five tips. I think that was from How Stuff Works. Oh, okay. Um, it says, know thyself. So if you're super white, red-headed Irish person, 
lad or lass. Then you know you've been dealing with this your whole life. You don't have to be told. Mm -hmm. But you burn super easy. You might want to use more, reapply more often. Or if you have uh, a prevalence of skin cancer in your family, you might want to take that into consideration. Yeah, for sure. Got anything else? Uh, I do. I got one more thing just on the spray versus the cream. All these sprays are the rage now. Yeah. You know? Yeah, but I mean, super easy. The wind. Well, yeah, sure. The wind is a factor. I didn't think about that. Uh, they are very convenient, but the consumer report says don't use them on your kids. Uh, because inhaling the fumes is no good. Um, and yeah, you can tell you get a mouthful of that. You're like, oh, this awful. is not good for me. Um, Basically, what it comes down to is the upside is is that if you are more likely to use the spray than nothing, then use the spray. If it, if the convenience is what makes the difference, mm-hmm. then go wild with it. Don't use it on your kids. Don't use it on your face ever. Uh, rub yep. it in. You know, spray then rub it in. You're not supposed to use it on your face. Yeah, they say don't spray it on your face. Okay, <laughs> even spray in your face sometimes. <laughs> um, and it says how. How long you apply it makes a difference. So if you just spray for two to three seconds, you're getting, you're not getting enough. Oh yeah, you definitely don't want to do it on your face then. So they definitely side with creams 100% is better. Yeah. But if you're just won't use anything because you hate the cream, then use the spray. Yeah. It's good advice. One day we're going to have some perfect sunscreen that does the trick and everybody's going to know how to use it just right and everything will be great. Just in time for this climate change thing, too. Yeah. Uh, if you want to know more about sunscreen, sunblock, suntan, sun lotion, everything. I don't think you could know more about it. Yeah. Just go to sleep. <laughs> go to sleep and let this gel, and you will know everything there is to know. And since I said gel, it's time for listener mail. Uh, I'm going to call this. Oh, this is one where I get to chime in on something. Okay. In real time. Right. Hey guys, my name is Rebecca Chan, and uh, first I'd like to say I love your show. By listening to it, I impress people with my knowledge of random things. It's a good start, Rebecca. Uh, I wanted to write in about your episode on election laws and voter fraud. Uh, you mentioned early voting, and this reminded me of the time I got into an argument online with someone about it. Well, mm-hmm. I didn't know people argued online. <laughs> uh, I really like early voting, but this person said they disagreed with it and wish it would be taken away because they felt it was disrespectful to not go on actual election day. Seeing they did not think people who went to vote early actually cared about elections. This was surprising to me, because I only thought of early voting as an alternate, more convenient way to vote. Then again, maybe I'm just a stupid millennial who buys too much avocado toast. Oh, burn. What are your, She burned herself. Uh, what are your thoughts on early voting being disrespectful to elections? Uh, from Rebecca Chan. Uh, Rebecca, we're most likely apt to say to each his own but i will say that that person is stupid yeah that makes zero sense it's not like shooting fireworks off the day before the fourth of july you know (laughs) like if you can vote earlier vote earlier yes being disrespectful to an election day by voting early is the dumbest thing i've ever heard it's pretty ridiculous so whoever said that on the internet is not interneting correctly (laughs) nice Pretty good, Chuck. Shut that down. And hats off to Rebecca for just being genuinely puzzled by it rather than like, you're an idiot. Yeah. Uh, if you want to get in touch with us like Rebecca did, you can tweet to us at SYSK Podcast. 
You can join us on Facebook.com slash Stuff You Should Know. You can send us an email to StuffPodcast at HowStuffWorks.com. And as always, join us at our home on the web, StuffYouShouldKnow.com. For more on this and thousands of other topics, visit HowStuffWorks.com. <laughs>